0: Victoria, my business partner, runs another Instagram, which is called She's On The Money. And that has like 170,000 or 180,000 followers. We get most of our business from She's On The Money, as you can imagine, having a larger follower, the more clients. But my personal one, craving a saving, we get a lot of business as well. And it's really authentic. So it's people that have been kind of watching my journey or watching me help other people or whatever it might be. And by the time they want to work with us, it's because they want to work with us. So when they walk in that door or they reach out to us, it's kind of like already a sold client that wants us and then we can help them because they've been waiting for that moment whether it's they have enough in savings or whatever it is so they're really solid clients and really solid you know conversions i guess to being able to help because of the fact that they've already kind of watched that
1: journey. Right, yeah and there's a higher level of trust the most inspiring stories from today's most successful mortgage brokers. Join your host Scott Peckford on I Love Mortgage Brokering. Hey Broker Nation, Scott Peckford here. Today on the show I have Kate Bransgrove. Kate is a mortgage broker based out of Australia, Melbourne, Australia, and I love talking to brokers that are outside of our market because even though we're the same. There's always something different. And in the difference, there's things that we can learn. Kate's built a very successful business on a social media platform that she built. And I encourage you to go check out what she's doing. It's absolutely brilliant. There's several different things. This particular episode is going to be two parts. So in this first one, we talk about how she uses social media as well as a podcast to build a very successful mortgage business that they can barely keep up with the volume, even in the current challenging market that we're facing her social media platform is just doing amazing for her also on this episode i talked to ben mccabe from blue mortgage about using reverse mortgage to help keep a client in their home before i jump into that i want to give a shout out to our title sponsor finmo finmo's a canadian mortgage application document collection submission platform designed specifically for canadian borrowers very easy to use so as they're filling it out it automagically knows exactly what the documents are going to need. It sends it to them. Often people actually have the documents and they're filling it out because like most of us, we don't know the answers to those things. And if you make it easy, they just send them to you. Check them out at lendas.com slash finmo and check out this conversation with Kate. Hey Kate, welcome to the show.
0: Hello, thank you for having me.
1: So tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got into the mortgage business.
0: So I am Kate. I am a mom to two little boys and I have a husband that's a stay-at-home dad. I got into the mortgage business because I originally was working for my mom, actually. So my mom owned a financial planning business and like kind of dabbled a little bit into mortgages. So when I was younger, I was working for her and I realized I really enjoyed the mortgage space. So yeah, I started studying it. I learned about it. I would be obsessed with learning about, you know, people got their dream homes or what their valuations came back at and just really sparked my interest in property. And so, yeah, I think I just naturally then fell into the space and grew this passion and here I am.
1: So, and how long ago was that?
0: That was about how old am I? That was seven years ago, seven or eight years ago that I started there.
1: And then, so for you, what worked really well for you? That you seem to have a great, you know, a social media presence. And so, I'd love to talk about how did you get yeah. your social media so large? And what are some of your tips you have for somebody who's like, I'd like to get better at social media?
0: (laughs) So, one of my biggest things with getting my Instagram off the ground, and I wouldn't even say it's that large, but I think the quality of the followers that I have kind of feel like they're just my best friends. Like we really, you know, connect with each other. The biggest thing is I'm just myself. So, I decided to try and create a bit of a personal brand, which to be honest, I think I just fell into naturally. I didn't sit there and strategically plan out how I'm going to get extra followers or how people are going to want to work with me or be my clients. I naturally just would appear on my social media and it could be something like me hanging out with my kids or some jokes that were happening in the office or literally anything. And from that and from being completely myself, which I would argue I'm a bit of a dork. So it kind of just gravitated naturally towards this audience that would, yeah, like message me and be like, oh, this is so funny or you seem so lovely or your workplace seems so fun. And yeah, I think I just built it from that by just being myself and you know picking up the phone and recording things that some people might think were a bit weird but I thought were pretty good
1: right everybody says you need to be authentic which is true but did you ever struggle with like I don't know what to say or what are people going to think or did you just like turn it on and go and not worry about it? like what was going on in your head
0: yeah I definitely did so I used to just hate being in front of the camera and I used to like post like grid posts of you know you can get this discount with this bank or this cashback with this bank. And it was really kind of like formal. And I realized that, yes, that might suit some people, but it's not really going to suit everyone. Like if you put a face to what you're saying, or if you be yourself. And so I started off and literally just one day was like, I'm just going to get in front of the camera and I'm just going to try and be me. And I look back at some of those videos and I am so awkward. Like I talking to the camera and I'm just uncomfortable and I'm like, Oh, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to put this on my Instagram or put this on my story. And it's going to be just, I don't know, weird. The more I did it though, like naturally now I can pick my phone up and record anything in front of everyone. And I don't care. I don't think about it. I just do it. And even some of my team, like I'm trying to get them to learn more about social media and the power of it. And, you know, one of my staff members, whenever she has to record a video, she'll like go hide in the corner and we'll be like, no one listen, like play music really loud. So you can't hear me because I don't want you to. And I'm like, we don't care because we actually don't care. Like people around you don't care they just want to either hear what you're saying or learn about what you're saying and I just learned that and so now it comes naturally but it did not come naturally to me at the start
1: but you had to start and so how long before it? Yeah. like I guess what was the frequency how often were you posting video content and then when did it finally go like hey this is like not as big a deal as I thought it was.
0: Yeah. I see. I didn't really post much on my feed. So I kept my feed kind of like nicer pictures and things like that, but it was my stories. I would just pick my phone up every day and I would just like capture something. And like I said, whether it was just something at home or it was some, even maybe a renovation we were doing, or it was something about work. It didn't matter what it was about, but I realized people just like to see things once they're kind of invested in your life or invested in what you're doing. And so yeah, I would do it in the end on my stories on Instagram. I was doing it probably pretty much every day. I was just adding to it.
1: And the the great part about stories is they disappear. So like if it if it was cringe, you're like, doesn't matter. It's it's sort of a long commitment, right? It's 24 hours and it's gone. So
2: exactly.
1: Yeah. So what is your strategy now for in terms of stories versus posts? And then the second follow-up question is. How much video would you use versus other types of media if you're thinking about it?
0: Yeah. So I still don't really have a schedule. So I've got my personal Instagram, which is called Craving a Saving, which is really lame name, but anyway, it works because I'm really lame. So that one's just me. It's me on the fly. So I don't have a schedule with that. Like I said, I just post anything. It could be really things that just professional at all, but really show who I am, things like that that doesn't really have a schedule, but we've got Zella Money's Instagram, which is called Zella Journey. And that's like our business one. So that one's got a schedule where Victoria, my business partner, she's really good with social media and the content and graphic design. I'm terrible with that stuff. And so we have a schedule on that one where that's more, you know, it might be client success stories, or it might be about really important things to know that's happening in the market or new policies that have come out with banks, whatever it might be. That one's a bit more professional. Mine is just on the fly, whatever I'm sort of feeling. (laughs) So
1: Right. And so what percentage of your business would you say comes from your personal Instagram versus the business one? And Um, and maybe give me the follower count on both just so people are... And I'll make sure I put links.
0: Yeah, for sure. So craving a saving, I have, I think, almost 11,000 followers. Zella Money, we have, or Zella Journey is what it's called on Instagram. We have almost 14,000 followers. And then Victoria, my business partner, runs another Instagram, which is called She's On The Money. And that has like 170,000 or 180,000 followers. We get most of our business from She's On The Money, as you can imagine, having a larger follower, the more clients. But my personal one craving a saving we get a lot of business as well. And it's really authentic. So it's people that have been kind of watching my journey or watching me help other people or whatever it might be. And by the time they want to work with us, it's because they want to work with us. So when they walk in that door or they reach out to us, it's kind of like already a sold client that wants us. And then we can help them because they've been waiting for that moment, whether it's they have enough in savings or whatever it is. So they're really solid clients and really solid, you know, conversions, I guess, to being able to help because of the fact that they've already kind of watched that
1: journey. Yeah. And there's a higher level of trust. It's not like, Hey, I'm looking for a mortgage broker and you're It's like, Oh, I already feel like I know you. And yeah. And so it creates a level of trust. So now talking about your podcast that you guys do. So what's the frequency of the podcast and how has that helped your business?
0: Yeah. So Victoria Devine, she is the owner of she's on the money and she has this podcast. She's on the money. I think it has like 1.6, maybe like between 1.4 to 1.6 million listeners a month. Like it is a massive. Oh gosh. Yeah, Thanks. she's huge. She's massive here in Australia. So that obviously, that's about financial literacy, education, things like that. Victoria used to be a financial planner. And then she isn't anymore because she puts her heart and soul into her podcast and then obviously into Zella Money, which is our business, our mortgage business. So yeah, that podcast, as you can imagine, same thing, a really large audience. We don't really market or talk much on that podcast yet. We do a little bit, don't get me wrong, but about Zella Money because we are only 10 months old for our current business and trying to keep up with what we currently have which is a very lovely you know blessing of a situation to be in as a business owner we don't want to grow too fast because then that could impact the quality to our clients already and we want to be able to deliver that service that we're really proud of to get back to people quickly and everything so we kind of have to juggle that growth but at the same time we that podcast is just amazing it's
1: what's a monster number of downloads like yeah. And how big is your team? So what do you have for support and stuff? So what What do yeah. you, so there's you, you do the mortgages. Does your partner do mortgages as well? Or does her, she marketing?
0: Yeah, basically marketing, really natural marketing. Again, it's not like we go out there and we're like, hey, you know, come and work with us. We're not really like that. Like we want people to work with us because they want to work with us. So it's very natural marketing, which I also love. It's not like we're having to sell our souls to be like, come and use us. We have 15 of us in our team now. So I am the managing director and obviously the director. So I run the business. Victoria is behind the scenes. So she'll do marketing, I guess you could call it in terms of like, it's very natural though. And she's just amazing at it. So there's four or five of us brokers and then admins. And then we've got a team of what we call credit. Which help with like scenarios and research and things like that. So, yeah, we've got 15 of us all up now.
1: Right. Wow. And then, so if you don't mind me asking, like, how many mortgages would you guys do in a month on average, do you think?
0: I mean, I know the volume of like settlements. Yeah. So we're doing about 35 mil a month.
1: Right. That's fantastic. Yeah.
0: yeah. So it's good. Yeah. So it keeps us busy. That's for sure. And like, we could probably triple the size of that if we wanted to, because we always quite booked out, which we're trying to, you know, get on top of and figure out a way that we, Aunt is booked out, which again, it's a lovely position to be in, but we don't want to be booked out. We want to be able to help everyone all the time. So we probably could triple that, but we just have to take it slow.
1: Challenging part is finding the right people. Like, you know, 100%. you can go hire, you can hire lots of people, but if they're not the right people, then it's going to not create the great experience. Yeah. And so that's yeah. the challenge when you're growing so quickly. That's amazing. Yeah. 10 months to. So how long was the podcast going before you guys partnered and did this venture?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So Victoria, she's had her podcast for, I think it's about three. I'm going to say three years roughly three years she's had her podcast for and yeah she started it up just before the lockdowns over here with covid and she has gone gangbusters so like i said she's amazing at what she does as well from that aspect and i think because it's so natural to her and you know natural to us i guess that really helps with the money it's also a
1: great name like the name like she's on the money matter, right like it's, an, <laughs> yeah. it's a fantastic name yeah so.
0: A lot of people think that she's on the money means it's always just females she's referring to. but So she's trying to say like, she's on the money so she can help. Yeah, Yeah,
1: but elevate. I would, if I were listening to that, I would assume it attracts people that are listening to it, thinking that this it is them.
0: Yeah, yeah, it is. It's very good. It's very good. She's very natural with what she does.
1: Hey, hopefully you got some ideas from my conversation with Kate in terms of a social media, as well as, you know, short form and long form content. I absolutely love the stuff that i picked up from her and inspired me to improve my own social media platform in this next segment i talked to ben mccabe from bloom about how to use a reverse mortgage to keep an aging client in their home so they don't have to move out or sell check it out hey ben welcome to ask the experts hey scott good to be here so hey tell me what topic we're gonna to jump into
2: today yeah so let's chat about using a reverse mortgage you know classic use case using a reverse mortgage to keep an aging client in their home We can chat about a scenario uh, we recently did for a client. We'll call her Margaret and not her real name, but a client in Surrey. Okay, cool. Yeah. I like when
1: we were chatting earlier, you're going to kind of break down the way that the broker and the client reviewed the different options because reverse mortgage is one option. And in the right situation, it's a fantastic option. But in this case, they went through some different scenarios to decide on the reverse mortgage. So why don't you walk me through that?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, in this case, the broker had a long relationship with the client. And the client's late husband had gotten them into a number of mortgages over the last, I think, fifteen year plus. They had a business relationship. Unfortunately, the client's husband passed away in 2021. And as often the case with a lot of reverse mortgage clients, they work in a career where they don't have a lot of, like, you know, private pension income. So in this case, he was a self-employed contractor. He owned a carpentry business. And as a result of his passing, you know, the missus, Margaret, in this case, started to run into some financial troubles. Without the benefit of her husband's income, she was living on CPP and OAS. And had about 250K of mortgage debt outstanding. So, you know, that level of mortgage debt when you're just living on CPP and OES, you know, talk to service those payments and still have enough left over to live. Right. So, what were some of the different scenarios that the broker looked at in terms of like before deciding if the reverse mortgage actually made the most sense? Yeah, I mean, so the brokers took kind of a holistic approach to this. He wasn't just thinking about you know mortgage solutions for her. You know, he'd been, as I mentioned, they had a fifteen-year sort of long business relationship, and he was trying to act as somewhat of an advisor here. So, you know, the first option that they thought about was selling and renting. Right, that's obviously you know an obvious solution. We've got mortgage debt that you can't afford to pay for. But in this case, the client wanted to stay in Surrey because she wanted to be close to her daughter and grandchildren. And I mean, I don't know if you've been following sort of, you know, rental prices in that part. Oh, of it's, crazy. Canada, yeah, it's but crazy. It would have been on her income, you know, pretty much difficult yeah. or impossible to find anything that she could afford and and that would be reasonable and comfortable for her. Right. Okay. So then selling rent was out.
1: Unless, yeah. I guess she could sell and move to a different community, but then that now makes it very difficult to see family. The, so these things yeah, are not just math based. I mean, it's it not just math based. Math. You'd just be like... Oh, this makes the most sense. I'm going to move to like small town BC.
2: Yeah, Whitehorse.
1: Right, White yeah, move to Whitehorse, and uh, it's like, wait a second. But then I have no family around. me. what kind of life is that for the you know? So these things it's are never just. Kind of it's mortgage. never
2: just dollars and cents. Never dollars and never, cents. It's never. Never, right. never. Never. Yeah. I think good mortgage brokers
1: know that. They understand that you got to understand, and that's why you got to ask good questions, understand the story. We're not order takers. Like, hey, do you want fries with that? Like, that's a terrible way to be a mortgage broker. It's mm-hmm. like, hey, what are you trying to accomplish? What matters, and
2: then let's figure out what product mix is the best possible solutions. Okay, keep going. So selling rent was one option. What was the other ones? And so, I mean, the second option was considered, and I'd say this was considered relatively briefly, would have been to get a second private mortgage to get enough funds to kind of bridge her for a few more years until she was ready to sell, right? The downsides of that are many, but including, you know, she didn't have an end date in mind in terms of when she'd be ready to move. You know, In today's market for a client like her, there was no guarantee that there would be a refi, a renewal available, right, in a year or two. So really just you know, that solution would have just been kind of taking the can down the road and probably ultimately making the financial situation worse. Right. And if you run into the situation of a private not wanting to renew or wanting to charge a big
1: fee, like you could have eaten up a lot of equity. That scenario. Okay. So that didn't make sense. Any other things you looked at?
2: Yeah. So I mean the last option was what if she sold and then moved in with her daughter and her family? Obviously, if she wanted to be close with her daughter, you know, and her grandchildren. But ultimately, she wasn't ready for this, right? And just back to like it's not dollars and cents, you know, she wasn't ready for that. It didn't feel right to her like to interrupt her daughter's life in that way when it wasn't required. And also, she was still super active and like other than finances, like completely self-sufficient to live on her own. So, like ultimately, you know, she wanted to stay in her own home. The only problem that he needed solving was that mortgage payment. That was the only problem needed solving, right? right? So ultimately the broker landed on, you know, what is the most obvious solution here? Slam dunk candidate for a reverse mortgage, right? The broker had done a few reverse mortgage deals before. He wasn't an expert, but he knew the basics and mm-hmm. he was able to pull us in for some of the more detailed pieces to get the client comfortable because she, you know, like a lot of clients, she didn't necessarily see herself as a reverse mortgage customer initially. She needed to get comfortable with it, needed to be you know comforted that some of her misconceptions were in fact untrue. But yeah, ultimately she got comfortable with it and, you know, effectively problem solved for the client. It's a long-term solution. It'll keep her in her home, near her family for many, many years to come. Right. Okay. So end up getting a second mortgage. And then so what's the process just
1: like somebody's listening to this and they're like, okay, what does that look like? If I've got a client in this scenario, I look at the seller rent, I look at this, you know, maybe a private or some other scenarios or line of credit, what do I do if I think that you guys might be a fit? What's the best way for me to like loop you into this whole thing?
2: Yeah. So the first thing to do is reach out to us, info at Bloomfin.ca. You know, once we're in touch, there's really kind of two ways that it can go. If you know a lot of reverse mortgages, if you've done them before, if you have a good relationship with your client, if you want to run the deal end to end, you can absolutely do that. Alternatively, if you're new to reverse mortgages, if you're not totally sure how they work, if you kind of want to ride along, obviously we have a team of inside experts that can work with you and your client to get the deal done. And one of the things that's neat about our process is that we'll copy the same way. Right. Yeah,
1: So the, you get paid the same whether you do all the work or part of the work. And it'll depend on like your understanding of first mortgages and relationship with the client. You can decide. And brokers can do one file with hands-on,
2: one file hands-off. It's not like it's a one-way always. We've done, that, we've done that a number of times where like the first file we did, the second file we kind of did in concert, and the third file the broker really with. Right. And that's could be a good way to learn it too, if you're thinking about this. Exactly. If your first one, get lots of help. And the pay doesn't
1: change in any of those scenarios. It's just a matter of like, what works for your business. So, any kind of last thoughts on this whole idea of like, you know, I'm sure this particular scenario you guys see a ton. This is probably one of the most, you know, this common. is
2: bread. This is bread and butter. This is, yeah, this is the, the most, most common good. use use case of a reverse mortgage. But any kind of last words, your thoughts on this? Yeah, no, I mean, I just it's obviously as we've talked about before, Scott. This is a you know, brokers are doing tons of different types of deals, but the reverse mortgage is a really powerful tool to have in your toolkit for those scenarios where you're working with an older client. But the older client has you know, a, a number of different objectives, both financial and otherwise, but ultimately their number one objective is to stay in their home for the long run. Right. And if you
1: guys are listening to this and you do want to reach out to Ben and his team, go to bloomfin.ca. As he said, you can shoot them an email to kind of get the whole thing started. And you guys are Canada's fastest growing reverse mortgage company. You've got some cool stuff, that you're very innovative in terms of how you solve this, some of the problems for people. And so check them out. I really appreciate chatting with you, Ben. Thanks, Scott. All right. Thanks again for listening. I'm starting to learn how to do social media, especially Instagram. It's something that I've put off on YouTube. If you want to go check us out on there, give us a follow. We are actually now putting out YouTube videos as well as short form video content that comes clips from it. Check me out, follow me on Instagram as well as YouTube. And if you have any ideas on upcoming shows or topics you think it'd be great, shoot me an email. I'd love to hear from you and I will see you on the next show. This is an I Love Mortgage Brokering Production.